And so I actually ended up dropping out of high school, not once, but twice. I never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was living with my parents, gaming up to 16 hours a day in their basement. I remember I was, I was drunk when they handed me my son in the hospital. They didn't know I was drunk. I worked with people who could stay abstinent from crack cocaine. And then they went back to prison because they could not stay abstinent from marijuana. They will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. Our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures. I had overdosed in eighth grade. I think that was shortly after I was suspended. Our teens are going through their hardest life transition in a world of rapid change and information anarchy. These are their stories and the advice from experts dedicated to helping them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. All right, parents, welcome. I'm sure we'll have uh, some other people joining as we go. This is a parent coaching call for families who are working with us here. I have everybody's mites, mics muted. So as new people come on, it's not uh, loud and distracting. This phone call is being recorded. So if I do unmic people later on and we uh, do a live question and answer, which is what I would like to do, please, as always, refrain from saying names or referencing other people's children. Please only be speaking about your own children and do not use names. That is just to... Uh, protect everybody. Uh, like I said, this phone call is being recorded. We do record them all. And a lot of times I edit them and then release them as podcasts so that lots of parents can get this information. And uh, the information we're talking about tonight uh, has to do with running away. And this is a this is a scary one. This is something that I've had lots of experience with professionally uh, running a facility. It, it never have I ran or worked in a big uh, lockdown facility. It's always been very much a open door facility. I do believe that if you lock down facility, if you lock doors, things like that, kids are just going to kick the doors and the windows open. If they're really in that stage of crisis that they're going to run, then we have to assume that they're going to run no matter what. And I have worked with plenty of kids throughout the years and plenty of parents throughout the years who have been working, uh, who, who either have kids or, or who are kids, parents and kids throughout the years, who have uh, extricated themselves from uh, extreme lockdown programs. So I do believe where there's a will, especially when the will is in survival mode, there is a way uh, to get away. As a non-restraint, um, non-locked facility, um, there are certain rules about following a kid or chasing a kid that we have to follow at Fire Mountain that families do not. I want to be able to address those types of questions like, do you follow if you see? Um, I have a, I've written down a few other questions that I know may not be covered in my uh, uh, kind of outline for this talk of, of points I want to cover. And most definitely, when I unmute the mics, if you have questions that I did not answer, you can uh, feel free to ask. So let's get started. Here we've had a uh, bad blowout with the kiddo, and things have gone south. 
and either they hit the door and they're gone into the night or we hear a noise we get to the bedroom just in time to see that foot leave the bedroom window or we wake up in the morning and they're gone or we check on them in the middle of the night and they're gone so we uh say to ourselves okay they've run away or they're running away step one is you call the police and here's why um Throughout everything we talk about, our focus is going to be on safety. We are going to focus on the child's safety at all times. People do not run away when they're not in crisis. Now, if they've, if they've snuck out and you think they've snuck out, that's one thing. But if they've run away, um, then we're going to call the police. So my question about sneaking out now comes comes along saying, how do you know they snuck out? How do you know they didn't run away? What's the difference? Well, sneaking out is they've snuck out and they're going to a friend's house. So how is running away different, especially for our kids? Running away is that they're in crisis mode and they're trying to get away. The truth is, in the middle of the night, if you hear a noise and they're gone, we don't know whether they've run away or just snuck out. So I am going to suggest that you assume that they've run away and that you contact the police. There's other reasons that we're going to contact the police. Police are not going to stop, drop everything to come look for your kid. Police may or may not put out an Amber Alert. But what they will do is uh, put out what's called uh, uh, a BOB, a beyond, or, or uh, a BOLO, be on the lookout, B-O-L-O, be on the lookout. And that means all kids, all the police will get a description of what you think your kid's wearing, and they'll just be on the lookout for a kid walking by themselves or a group of kids walking, and they will maybe make a few more stops, which means you'll hopefully whether they find your kid, hopefully, or not find other people's kids um, who just shouldn't be out at that time. So we're going to call the police and let them know our address and where, where a kid has left from and where they may be heading, which you may or may not know. They will put a, out a be out on the look, be on the lookout. And if they see the kid, they'll stop. They'll ask questions. They're not going to haul your kid in unless your kid's got warrants. They're, what they're going to do is they're going to find out where uh, these kids live and get them home and answer the distressed parents call of my, I think my kid just ran away and we'll get that kid at home. So that's number one is we're going to call the police and we're going to make a report. Now, the last thing that I'm going to say, so I'm going to say it here at the beginning and I'm going to say it as the last thing I'm going to say. Our goal in any time we're involved in a situation with our kid in this level of crisis and struggle is documentation. I mean, our goal for us as parents is that we're going to document everything that we've done so that when insurance companies, child protective services, police gets involved, we have a very clear record of all the actions that we've taken when we've been dealing with this kid in crisis. That's just smart adulting is documentation. That is just plain smart adulting, and it does not change with parenting. If a police says, has this happened before, you provide dates. Not not just not just yeah it has but actual dates and times and other documentation that you make. Okay, so number two 
is we're going to search the kid's room. This is not the deep search. We'll get into deep searches on a future parent phone call where we talk about searching a kid's room. We're going to search the room to try to figure out what the kid has taken with them. So we can make a decision. Are they spending one night or have they taken most of their clothing and three pairs of shoes and they've raided the kitchen? And so they're, they're looking to be out for a few days. If they haven't taken food and supplies, then they're most likely going to a person's house that they know. If we notice that our daughter's cute clothes are gone, then they're going to a party and they've snuck out. But if we're missing sweats and pajamas and, and jeans and lots of things that, that actually show that um, they could be out for a few days, then we can assume that they're probably at a friend's house. Which means we want to uh, uh, then begin to move to number three, which is we want to start to access their online life. We want access to our kids' Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, uh, any of the applications that our kids are using. A lot of them provide locations, especially if they've got their location services checked on and they're checking in and logging on. You can you can actually find out where they are. Oh, look, they just logged on at the Starbucks down the street. Okay, so we're going to check into the online life. We're also going to immediately leave a message for the school. That's a big deal. A lot of parents don't think about that, but we're going to actually call the school counselors and call the school attendants and we're going to leave a message that says, well, it's three in the morning and my kid has snuck out or run away. And so I don't know if they're going to be at school tomorrow or Monday. And so I just wanted to let you know that way. If and when the kid shows up at school, if the kid is still has the sense to go to school, even though they quote, end quote, run away from home, then the school's on your side and they're noticing that the kid is showing up and they're giving you a call saying, hey, your kid's here. And then you can call the police and say, hey, police, the kids are at school. I want you to understand that while kids and this, this generation is extremely resourceful, they're still going to go to what's familiar. So number four is that... If you decide that you're going to look that night, if you decide that you're going to jump in the car in your pajamas and go looking for your kid, start with all the places that you know they hang out because that tends to be where they go. They go to the public libraries. They go to the 24-hour gas stations where they can buy or steal something to eat or drink. They're going to go to a place that they've hung out before, public hangout places, a park that you know that they hang out. So check the old haunts. Number five is that we're going to start texting them. We're going to text them immediately. Now, we're not going to be angry parents. We're not going to be terrified parents. We're going to be concerned parents. We're going to be smart parents. And we're going to text things like, hey, I noticed you're gone. Please let me know you're okay. And you're going to start with those types of texts. You're going to do very benign, neutral check in with me so I know you're okay. Hey, listen, I've let the police know just in case something bad's happened and I need you to check in with me. Like we're going to let them know that we are following a protocol. So we're going to start texting them hourly. Now, next thing is we're going to lock the house up. We're going to lock the house up. If they're going to climb back in a window, which is not safe, not in the middle of the night, especially if they've snuck out to go to the party, I want the kids ringing the doorbell. 
I want to know when they're back in because I don't want to stay awake all night wondering if they've gotten, uh, you know, picked up or scooped up. So I'm going to lock the house down so that they have to knock on the door. And if I got any security devices, cameras, outside motion detectors, I'm going to get those things turned on. All right, I'm going to stop here for a second because I want to I want to clarify a couple things. First of all, running away is not nothing. It is something, and that's why we're calling the police. Colorado currently is number four in the United States for child trafficking. Last year, it was number two. Colorado's high ranking of child trafficking happened, strangely enough, go figure, at the exact same time that recreational marijuana was legalized. Same year. The answer to how are they connected is tourism. Anywhere where there's lots of tourists, there's lots of prostitution. And anywhere there's lots of prostitution, there's lots of child trafficking. Last year and in the years prior when we were number two, we were bigger than California. We were bigger than New York. And in fact, when I was listening to an CBI, Colorado Bureau of Investigations, presentation about child trafficking in the state of Colorado, there was a nationwide sting done. California did their sting in 14 cities, while Colorado did their sting just in five. We beat California with arrests. Colorado is not a safe place to be homeless. As we all know, the weather changes very rapidly. Why am I saying this? Why am I bringing up these scare tactics? Well, number one, because it's important that you involve the police. Right. This is very important, not just documentation, not just to answer the what ifs my child is hurt, but because Colorado is a dangerous place for a child to be on the streets. Now, I'm going to counter this by also saying every child runaway experience that I have worked with parents and I have worked a lot, every single one of them has resolved within a few days, three days. I've had one that lasted a week and they were staying at a friend of a friend's and they had conned these very lovely Christian people into letting these two wayward homeless kids and they were doing chores and they were so proud of themselves that they were helping the family out and doing cooking. And it was, it was extremely manipulative, but it was also the only one that's gone beyond a couple of days. All right. And part of the reasons for the protocol, calling the police, searching the room, checking the online life and informing the school, the texting them daily, locking the house down is to force a quicker resolution. These are things that I have taught parents for a long time and we are going to continue to enforce. And it's in our parent handbook when parents do get the handbook when they come to Fire Mountain. So A. Colorado is a dangerous place for a kid to be homeless. B, we're talking about kids who have run away because they're angry. Most likely they're going to be back in a, in a day or three. All right, let's get on with number seven. If your child does break in, return to the house because you've locked up, you've locked up the house. If your child does come back to the house to get more clothes, food, money, whatever, you're going to update the police. You're going to report that to the police as well. And if that happens, you're going to change locks because now they're committing crimes. Now they're not just sneaking back in. I know this is hard for parents to do to their own child, 
I want my kid to be safe. That is true. And like I said, our focus is on safety, which is why if the kid is now deciding that they're going to commit crimes and sneak in and break into things, that uh, we need to involve the police because now the community is not safe. It's not just your house they're doing this with. Most likely they've hit a Walmart and they're shoplifting as well. The next one is that we're going to start to deeply research location services. This means on your kid's phone, on your kid's computer, anything that could be coughing up their location. We're going to call the phone companies and we're going to find out. Since we're the ones who own these uh, services, we're going to yell, scream, and argue until these phone companies cough up the whereabouts of our minor who is in an unsafe environment. Will they do it? Some have. I've watched parents been able to get information. I've watched parents get totally stonewalled. I think this is a squeaky wheel gets the grease scenario until they start throwing down policies that you might have agreed to. When it has hit, let's say, for example, that you have, uh, you're just assuming the kid has snuck out. Whether or not the kid, you have assumed that the kid has snuck out to go to a party and hasn't been home yet, or you're sure the kid has run away and you've been following all the protocols, we're making another call to the police within 72 hours to see if there's been anything. We're going to do our due diligence to follow up. When the child returns, we're going to call the police. We're going to make sure the police knows that they can cancel an Amber Alert. And it's often that police put out Amber Alerts on a minor who suddenly run away from home. And that's important. And they do help. But when our child returns, we are going to make sure that we notify the police and let them know that the child's return. And when things have calmed down, when it's time to talk about the strategies for moving forward with our kid, when it's time for consequences... Then, and it's going to be a day or two after the kid's back and everything's settled down. We're not going to do this when we're angry because that's not where good parenting happens. That's where angry parenting happens. And angry parents make angry decisions and create reactions. And kids do not respond well to angry reactions. And kids at risk go even farther than not responding well. But that's when we decide that we're going to do the contractual work with our kid. And we're going to start doing behavior contracts. And they're going to be very clear what we do when a child runs away. And it's important also that you get to know the youth homeless shelters in your area. There's one in Boulder that's very popular. Now, if your child runs away and you call the youth shelter, a lot of times they will not disclose whether or not that child is there simply because... There are children who go to those shelters because home is a dangerous place. But you knowing where they are means that you can also post outside, that you can park across the street and see if your kid ended up there. If it starts to go a while to keep your kid from breaking into the house, I would recommend putting out a duffel bag of clothing, some food, stuff like that for your child. Just so, again, so that we know that our focus is on safety. And there's going to be a note in the duffel bag that says, I know it got bad. I know life is really rough. I love you. Please come home. We'll talk about it. We can work through anything. Like I said at the beginning, we're documenting everything. We're leaving nothing to chance. We are leaving nothing to memory. 
Our memory is not going to serve us when we're angry. We're going to document it. When you call the police, you document it. That's the adulting thing to do. You document what time you called, who you talked to, what their badge numbers is. You get the report name. You want all of this stuff every time you call the police. You want to document. You know, document when you've texted them. You can always show the text. You make sure your texts are nice and loving and invitational to come home. We're going to try to avoid uh, breaking off communication at all costs. We're always going to leave a path of restitution um, open. Okay. I'm about to take the mics off of mute so that if anybody has any questions, they can ask. I also want you to know that we, I have some questions that parents have asked in the past written down. So here I am going to take the mics off mute uh, right now. Everybody is off of mute. And if you have a question about teens running away, now's the time to ask. Go ahead. All right. Is everybody feeling good about things so far? What I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and put the mics back on mute. I'm going to discuss some of the questions other parents have had. I will, at another point, take uh, microphones off of mute in case something else comes up. Okay, a question I have been asked in the past about this. Do you drive around to look for them? My first answer is, if that's what taking care of yourself looks like, do that. If it is, and it also looks like what taking care of your marriage looks like, do that. That has been successful in the past, and that has been a parent driving around not finding their kids at all in the past. I have seen both. There have been times where kids have absconded from the facility here, and a staff member on their way to work has found them. There have been times where the police has found them. There have been a time where parents have found them. There have been times where uh, the, the kid has made it to another town, and because of police amber alerts and stuff, They've been found in that town. So because the kid knows what your car looks like, because they're going to be on high alert for the first few hours, sure, drive around, look for them if that, if that helps you sleep better. That's going to be the big thing here is whatever is going to help you sleep better. And sleep in this type of uh, situation, that's going to be a tough one to begin with. So whatever is going to help you sleep better, do that, Okay. Next question, do you call other parents? Absolutely. Any one of your kids' friends that you know the parents of, you give them a call. You put every resource. That's why I say call the school, call the police, and absolutely call other parents. It's hard. It's frustrating. We've just had a real tackle and drag, crash and burn experience with our kids, and now we've got to call other families and say, we're struggling. And that's all you need to say. Me and my kid are struggling and they left really late last night. I'm really worried. Could you please, if you see my kid, contact me. Thank you so much. Here's my phone numbers. That's all you need to say. And every parent struggles with their kid. And that's hard to remember. It's a, because everybody has this profile, right? Everybody's got this online life or this profile life. It's not true. Everybody's struggling. Everybody's going through the crap with their teenagers. Teenagers are a pain in the butt. And God love them. They're just struggling. Their brains are in massive overhaul. And they don't know how to handle these adult size issues. And they're exposed to adult size things constantly. And now they've got this mix of being a kid and adult. Now we're fighting with them in the grades and college. And then we found some weed in their pocket and blah, blah, blah. And it's just 
they've bailed. And it's okay to say to another family, me and my kid had a really rough night and we're really struggling and they took off and I really am worried. Please contact me if you've seen them. Expect that if your kid is staying at a friend's house, that your kid has lied to those parents to say, yeah, yeah, it's totally okay with my parents. It used to be, and I remember this, and I know that all the parents on the line remember this as well, that our parents used to talk to other parents. I want you all to know, and I'll reference this awesome, that, that both Stanford and Harvard have done research on what keeps kids out of risky behavior. And it's having something to do between three o'clock and seven o'clock, you know, after school hours. It's family dinners. It's parents knowing their kids, friends, parents, and having a relationship with them. And it's uh, honest and open communication. And these are the um, most powerful things that help kids stay away from at-risk behavior. Well, if you're on this phone call, your kid's beyond risk. That's why I call the podcast Beyond Risk and Back. It's because at-risk was a couple years ago. All right. And we've been navigating that for a while. And one of the hardest things consistently for every parent that I have ever talked to who have graced the halls of Fire Mountain and blessed me with the opportunity to work with this family, with their family, with your family, is the loneliness they have felt, the isolation that they have felt. When your kid has run away, it's not a time to indulge the isolation that you feel. It's time to reach out and grab at any and all resource you can grab onto. Now, piece of this do we call other parents that has always come up. What do you do about the other parents who know that your kid is running away? Your kid is smoking pot at their house. These parents are sheltering your kid. Well, I will tell you exactly what I have done in the past. I've called the police on those families. And I don't hesitate. I do not bullshit around with adults who think that it's okay for children to use, hide, steal, sneak, lie, or indulge any criminal or dangerous behavior. I absolutely do not tolerate that. And I can tell you people, over the years, I have been called every name in the book. I have been screamed at. Do you want to know how far it's gone? Let me tell you how far it's gone. I had a couple clients cough up everybody in their school. One day when they decided to come clean, they coughed up every kid in their school who was using hard drugs. And this was in junior high. I called every family and I said, I have gotten a report that your child uses hard drugs. And as a concerned parent, as a concerned community member, I want you to know that I'm calling you to tell you this so that you can go find out if this is true or not. 90% of the families were so, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being courageous enough. And I had one family unleash holy hell on me. You work for the school district. You're trying to blackball my son. They let me have it. The mother screamed at me. That child, that particular child, ended up many years later, on drugs at a party and murdered another kid. I'm not saying that that's what you're going to save or conquer or avoid. I'm saying it was worth it to me for that 90% who said thank you. And a lot of kids were in trouble the next day at school. I don't bullshit around with adults 
who help children hurt themselves, period. So the short, the long, the very extremely long, long long-winded Aaron answer to what do I do about the family where my child is at, but they won't answer the phone. You call the effing cops and your kid's going to be pissed, but I'll guarantee you if they've done it with your kid, they've done it with others. And this family might have been told, it may be that they might have been told some outlandish stories about you and your child-rearing partners by, by this kid. But most likely, the kid has lied to them in the same sense that this family, thinking they're being the cool parents, are actually making things a lot worse. So that's what you do for adults who think it's okay to give kids drugs and hide kids from their parents. You call the cops. If you find out, the next question is, you know, when else do you call the police? If Listen, if your child has run away and they are committing crimes, you need to you need to call because that's what the world is going to do. And so you need to call if you think your child is committing crimes because that will get the police to find them. And most likely charges won't be pressed because you're the one who's calling and you would have to press charges. And um, the police are going to bring them right back to you and maybe issue a, a citation or a ticket. And the kid will have to go to court and answer some questions. That's most likely what's going to happen. So let me review very quickly. First thing you do is you call the police and you make a report. You search the room to find out what's missing. You check the online life and you inform the school. You check old haunts, familiar places, the library, a store that they go to, places like Target, places like Walmart, where they can spend an hour walking the aisles. You text them constantly, daily, hourly. You play on the emotional state. You apologize. You say you, you say whatever you need to say to get this kid back in your house. Because again, our focus is on safety. You lock the house. You lock the house when you're away and you lock the house at night. So if they want to come home, that, that you know that they're home. All right. That also, if they decide that they you know, are angry enough that they're going to break in and they do break in when you lock the house, you do call the police. You get that phone company and that Apple ID and you you try to find out any way, shape, or form that you can turn on location services on. You call the police again when 72 hours is hit and you make sure you call the police when your child returns. Set up a behavior contract with your kiddo. Make sure you know where the runaway shelters are and swing by them. If it starts to become a lengthy time away, put out a duffel bag with clothes, some food, a note, and you document everything. It's very, very important that you document everything. Okay, folks, I'm about to take the phone call off of uh, mute again so you all can ask uh, any questions I may not have covered. Specific questions, generic questions, all are welcome. As always, the rules are uh, please don't mention any names so that we can protect the identity of all the children involved. Um, And here we go. Everybody is unmuted. Are there any questions for me that I can answer tonight? Aaron, do you guys have any kind of a matrix or indicators that you use for kids who may be more prone to that? I mean, is it just completely random? That's a fantastic question. Currently, when, as far as our matrix and watching our kids at the facility, number one, other kids are generally the first factor is that other kids will say, I think so-and-so is looking to bolt because the kids talked about it. Kids also see the other kids prepping. 
All right. Like, like filling a backpack or hoarding food or, or, or sneaking snacks into the room. So nine out of 10, we will get a heads up from another kid. It's also been very random where we've been completely, you know, uh, uh, left hook by, left hook by. But you could see on most of our kids throughout history that have ran, there's also been a run contract that we have actually sat down with the kids and said, a kid who has threatened to run, either they've threatened a staff member, they've told other kids they're thinking about it. We see him getting antsy. We know it's something of their past that's coming up. We sit down with the kid and say, listen, we're thinking you might be thinking about running and we just want to talk to you about it. And if, would you be willing to sign this run contract? And if you're not, we'd actually going to move you to sleeping in the main room. So I don't, I have not seen a specific type of kid who is a, a you know prolific runner. Um, when we first interview families before we bring a kid into our facility, if the kid has a long history of running or their running has led to more than two weeks and they weren't at a friend's house, they were under a bridge somewhere, that's a little bit more resourcefulness and risk that a facility like Fire Mountain would be willing to take on. They would need more of a lockdown facility. So really our matrix that we're looking at and using with regards to running in a child, that is all solved with us prior to an intake. Like I said, if they're a big runner, then there would be a, a recommendation on our part that they go to a lockdown facility. Now I have worked with kids who have taken themselves out of lockdown facilities in Montana and have ended up back in Boulder, Colorado, where their families live. I mean, that is, that is how much you can expect them to return to a familiar environment. In all my years of working with a kid, with kids, I have only worked with one who ran away from his father in Denver and ended up in San Francisco living under a bridge doing things that were not, uh, were extremely risky, disease risky, violence mm. risky to survive on the street. And he had been gone for a few months. And during our interview process, he actually took off out of the facility and was picked up by the police immediately, thankfully, and was very cooperative. So our matrix is more for intake. And I will say right. kids at risk and beyond risk are going to, uh, they're going to try it at some point, whether here or at home, you know, taken off is something that's going to be in their repertoire. They will go to a friend's house. Right. Right. Thanks. Is there anything else on that question that I might've answered over answered that created another question? Anything else? No, not on my part. That's good information. Okay. Thanks. Does anybody else on the line have any questions? Okay. Here's how we're going to wrap this one up, folks, so we can uh, get off the phone in a good 40 to 43 minutes, depending how long-winded I am. And for those of you who know me, I'm very long-winded. The hardest part about the running away piece is going to be the self-regulation. This is going to create an absolute panic. And that's hard because we don't make good decisions when we're panicked. We make panicky decisions. And maybe you're not panicked. Maybe you're just pissed. Well, you're going to make decisions that reflect your anger. As always, as we teach consistently, as our staff is constantly trained, if you try to deal with this in anger, 
then the focus of your child is going to be on your anger and never on the choices they made. Running away is a life and limb. You intervene. This is not the space to say, well, natural consequences. That doesn't mean that natural consequences don't have a place here. We just want to be in control of them. And when a child is on the run, when they're in survival mode, they're not going to make good choices. They're going to make survival choices. And so our first step is to do what we call for parents. When you come to the parent weekend, we will talk about the warm rock concept. This is where you have to become warm rock because that's what lizards are attracted to. All right. Being cold blooded creatures, being in survival mode, they're going to be attracted to warmth, physical warmth, mental warmth, spiritual warmth, emotional warmth. So we have to become that if we want them home, if we want them to reach out to us first. And to become that, we have to connect to our own energy source, which means that thing that gets us out of panic, out of anger, out of sadness and fear, but actually gets us into the best part of our thinking brain and saying, okay, here's the decision I need to make. That's why my expectation for parents is that you write down what you're going to do and you put this someplace. You put it in your office or you, you put it in a file somewhere. So if your kid runs away, you know you have a document that will tell you what to do step by step. Before I came on, as always, I go online and I see what other people say about this. And this is how I created our own policies and protocols here at Fire Mountain with what to do. And I also want to let you guys know, I created our policy and protocol for Fire Mountain with the Larimer County Sheriff's Department because they're the first people we call. So this calling the police first and letting them know, that's what they want you to do because your child is now at risk of a lot of things, especially in Colorado. So to do this appropriately, to do this the right way, you got to have your best feet under you and your right mind in your head. So there's time for anger later, and there's time for fear later, and there's time for, you know, screaming at your kid. If that really is what taking care of yourself and your marriage and then your kid looks like, you can do that later. I'm not against yelling at a kid. I'm against yelling at a kid out of anger when you're in the worst possible place to be yelling at a kid. Yelling at a kid when your heart's wide open is fine. Yelling at a kid when you're totally connected and they can be with your yelling is fine. Yelling at a kid because you're pissed because they scared you and they're not ready to be yelled at so they run again. That's what I'm talking about. And we've all, every single one of us has gone through that as a parent. So all of this protocol, this big old list of rules isn't going to matter if you're not well-regulated. If you're not able to just keep your brain and your thoughts and everything about you. So that's always going to be your first thing. What do I need to do first? Call the cops. Well, when you're talking to the cops, talk sense. Okay. When you're driving around looking for your kid at three in the morning, don't just get pissed. Breathe. Focus on your breathing. Really take a look at your thoughts. Think about the time that maybe you ran away from home or you and your parents had it out and there are other ways to do this, even in the worst possible moments. So with that, I'm going to say what I always say when I'm talking to parents, either here or on the podcast, you take care of yourself first, you take care of your adult relationship second, and you take care of your children third, because that's how we do our best when we're taking care of our kids. If we neglect those first two things, we're not in our best place. 
Make sure you go to Beyond Risk and Back to look at all the past podcasts we've done. Uh, a lot of the things we talked about tonight are reinforced by some of those, and there's a lot of experts there that can help out and give more information. And that's just where I want to always uh, send parents. If you have a direct question for me, email me at Aaron at FireMountainPrograms.com. That's A-A-R-O-N at FireMountainPrograms.com. You can always hit me up on Facebook because I do the marketing and advertising for Fire Mountain. Hi, I'm always on Facebook. So you can always find me there and connect with me if you need some specific questions answered. For the families on the line whose kids are currently at Fire Mountain, thank you for the trust. Thank you for finally reaching out and getting help. Um, we're we're going to do our best with your kid. And the next Parent Weekend's date will be released. It's looking like it'll be around the beginning of February. So keep on the lookout for that. Okay, folks, thank you so much. We're Bear Tribe. I got your back. And we will talk again in two weeks on a parent coaching call. You'll get that email from Jill about the next call. This call will be available to you by email if you'd like to give it to any of your other parenting partners or anybody else whose kids are struggling. Thanks so much. And thank you guys for taking the time tonight to be with me on this call. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to FireMountainPrograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.